Welcome to my so-called opera life, a podcast for opera singers by opera singers, where we work to connect, inform, empower, and inspire musicians at all levels and stages of their career. Each episode, we'll explore a piece of the never-ending puzzle of the so-called opera life, humble brags and therapeutic complaints, as well as practical information about how this business works. Each piece helping you on your journey towards success, which we believe should really mean happiness. I'm Marcel. And I'm Elise. And we're two sopranos trying to live our best so-called opera lives. Hey folks, we're so glad to be back. Thanks for giving us some grace these last few weeks as Marcel and I make some shifts in both our personal and professional mindsets. Here's what's going on. Marcel and I are still planning on making this a 10 episode season, but we've revamped it in order to make sure it reflects the needs of our opera community today. A sincere thank you to our sponsors, the Sparkle Twins and the Opera Dolls for their 100% support. And thanks, of course, to you all, our listeners, for your support and patience. We'll be back to regularly released episodes for the duration of this season. This podcast has always been about the search for honest truths and the courage to share them in order to inform, empower, and inspire other artists in their operatic journeys and careers. From the beginning, Marcel and I wanted this podcast to be a place in search of the truth, not a podcast claiming to know all the answers. And so, we've been behind the scenes listening, learning, reflecting, and talking with others about their experiences as young artists in America. As a result of our recent discussions and discoveries, the next several episodes will be a mini-series of stories created and told directly by young artists in the operatic industry. We are grateful for the privilege to lift up the voices of other artists in the community of various levels, backgrounds, and stages of their career. And we are thankful that these artists have the courage to share their experiences, beliefs, and feelings about being an opera singer in this day and age, for better or for worse. Our first story comes from Chantal Freeman, a soprano who is currently based in New York City. Chantal is a friend and colleague of mine, and she is a true gem. Kind-hearted, chill, receptive, and positive. Her voice and artistry matches her inner and outer beauty. Her story is a journey of validation, acceptance, and finding her place and voice in this industry. Chantal, take it away. As a Christian, I have been taught and believed that my entire value lies in what God thinks of me, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's actually quite a liberating and peaceful place to exist. Yet, my passion and my purpose lies within an industry where that way of being and thinking feels counterproductive. For as long as I can remember, I was looking for someone to tell me that I was it, that I had talent beyond comprehension. I sought that validation constantly, and what a long journey it has been. I mean, all of us singers go through teacher after teacher, coach after coach, summer program after overpriced summer program. Of course, there are plenty worth the money, and I'm happy to divulge those deeds at your request. 
We look to professionals in the industry to tell us that we are something special, beautiful, artistic. We want to know that we are talented. We want to know that we matter in this career and will find success. For me, though, that sense of validation meant receiving information, receiving time, and some sort of mentorship from these people who should know how difficult this career is. And I don't mean difficult in terms of work, but we need people. We need advocates. We need others on our side, pushing our work forward and subsequently this beautiful art form. During my master's degree, I was told by my voice teacher, who I love to this day, he's my homie, but he was not my first choice of voice teacher, that the head of the music department didn't want to work with me because of my poorly scored audition. In fact, he told me nobody did. He would also talk often about how he wished his entire studio consisted of students that worked as hard as I did. You can understand my confusion. One day, I was told that the teacher I originally intended the school to work with, again, this head of the department, didn't work with certain sopranos because it would be too much work for her. First of all, why did he tell me that? Second, it's BS. A 4.0 and a master's degree later, hashtag little did she know, my work ethic is undeniable. The day of my audition was a horrible day. I did not sing well, and I wasn't myself. I hardly wanted to be there. I didn't believe getting a master's degree would do anything for me or my career. This program, while it accepted me despite my miserable audition, held that performance over my head for a long time. That was until I got into the room with every single one of them. Be it a coaching or a lesson, the attitude was different when I got to perform and once they got to work with me. You know, this head of the voice department would tell me over the semesters about how much I had improved in such a short amount of time. I mean, what was I supposed to do? Not try? She even managed to shed some tears after my master's recital, unable to put into words more of this delayed support and confidence. My master's program tore me apart. She wasn't the only teacher there that it felt like with her counsel and her advice and guidance and technique, my path might be made clearer finally and be even more supported. Here's the thing. I know I'm the shit. Like, I know I'm talented, but that knowing comes from my process and my work ethic and my drive and my heart. The experience of needing validation came to a head during this period of my life and learning. I was prepared. I did my work. I practiced. I listened. And I showed up. I felt like I received nothing for it. I was given the cover of a role that I probably won't ever sing, 
because, you know, baby Spinto over here. It hurt me so deeply. I was confused and felt stuck. So many different reasons for why I wasn't ready or right. And when I did show up in a lesson or a coaching, worked and ready, still nothing. I felt so unwanted. Validation. That's what those feelings were, and I guess that's what it's always been. I honestly didn't even know I was in search of that so specifically. So many of us on this journey to be on an operatic stage or whatever creative pursuit we're working through seek this unknowingly and hopefully sooner rather than later, knowingly. Even those that rise to the top have to deal with breaking through this cycle of needing validation. We seek validation from our peers, from our teachers, from our programs. We go to program after program, desiring that someone tell us we're talented. We give power to people that we perceive can make or break our careers. If your classmates or colleagues don't clap for you or shower you with compliments after you've sung an aria, we take it as an affront. We go to these programs expecting our lives to completely change. We base our entire process and product on what somebody might or might not say to us once once we've bared our souls. I mean, it's soul work. This kind of thinking and behavior buries our artistic voice until we can manage to burst out of it. Our search for validation is our search for our own value, for a voice that exists outside of our own bodies. What a fruitless journey. How can somebody tell you what your voice is? It's inside of you. And yet, it was there I found myself, in that void and dark place waiting for a sliver of hope that someone with influence would take a chance on me. Well, it didn't happen, at least not in my master's. And what could I do about it? Whenever I feel that hopeless and lost, I fall to my knees in prayer. I cling, I mean squeeze kung fu grip, to the one that knows me and put this gift right on inside of me. And I find my peace. And I find myself again. And I remember whose I am. During my masters, I prayed for direction and clarity and found reassurance. I talked with my parents over everything I was thinking about and everything I prayed for, and they told me to do what I always did, which was create my own way. Work on what I needed, do for myself. And I did just that. I decided to create my own opportunities and use what I had. I found teachers and friends that didn't make me feel small, but allowed me to feel like I could make music 
and take up space. I got over myself and became so much better at my Italian and French. I curated and performed four recitals over the course of my master's, performed three new roles with companies outside of my program, and was a finalist in a national competition. More than anything, I loved every moment of making that happen for myself. I don't know what it is for you, but for me, I had to remind myself of why I was on this journey in the first place and realize it was not for any of these fucking lukewarm people. A lot of people can sing. I must sing. It is for God and it's for his people. It's above me. As a little girl, I felt transcendent singing and it was always an overwhelmingly powerful experience. Then I saw it touched people to see I got up there and sang. As I got older, I saw it moved people to see me stand up there and sing. My dad always says he can't believe that I can keep my eyes open and just look out and be that vulnerable. Performance for me is the embodiment of my soul and singing is my soul spilling itself out. It's the greatest expression of myself and of God in me. And Lord willing, my sharing will allow others to share those parts of themselves as well. That's why I'm here. That's why this is my journey. Pouring myself into my work intentionally allowed the way I feel about my gift to not be compromised by what others think about me. It allowed me to not need them so much. Fuck validation. Now, I find myself at Manus and study with the teacher I wanted to work with and frankly who wants me there. She says a whole lot of crazy stuff, but she's direct and completely transparent with me and tells me she really loves working with me. I'm not surprised. I'm pretty awesome. (laughs) And here is where I thrive. Compliments come, support comes, mentorship comes. For a while, when I got here, I didn't feel like I deserved it. The reception literally shocked me. I was waiting for the same buts and maybe nots that I had received during my master's. When I expressed these imposter-like feelings to my acting coach, he told me, listen, nobody here is going to tell you anything unless they want to. They won't tell you you smell like roses when it's really shit. So give yourself some grace and accept it and keep working. I tend to hear this same thing from all the faculty there. They tell me that the stuff in the past is unfortunate, but you're where you are now for a reason and you're in control. Everything you need to move forward is inside of you. The biggest lesson I've learned from the emotional challenge of my master's program and and even the years preceding it is that we all truly desire to be seen as valid valuable conduits of this art form. 
Not for the sake of ego. We're performers. There's plenty of that. But for the sake of belonging. The gag is, you have to position yourself there. That takes time, but it doesn't have to. The closer you get to understanding that it's your world and it's your value and you're in control of it, the world will start to reflect that around you. And you won't have to seek people. They'll find you. I created space for myself. Nobody could tell me nothing when I was creating forums for me to practice and perform new rep or study with whomever, wherever to take my technique to the next level. We all truly desire to collaborate with those we look to for advice or information. We want agency. We want a say. And this is what I take with me now. The more I've studied a role on my own and developed my own opinions and understandings of works as a whole and not in bits of an aria here or there or a Wikipedia article, the more involved I can get in rehearsals and lessons and coachings. I feel like it's literally catapulted me forward emotionally and artistically. My acting coach. I'm pretty sure he's one of my favorite humans ever. Our first coaching was on I Want Magic from Streetcar Named Desire. And our dynamic changed instantly when I spoke about Blanche. I knew her age, big deal. <laughs> and I knew her whole story. I knew Blanche, but that was because I spent time reading the play. And then I decided to watch the movie. I got involved. Then I looked at the score. And the spaces in between the notes, the harmonization. I mean, my coaching was amazing. And he and I collaborate every single time we're together, even if I don't know much about what I'm singing. But he's teaching me a lot, and I'm actively a part of the process. I don't know that if I hadn't been given this journey and experienced all of this, that I would be able to say that. I don't know that if during my undergrad, my voice teacher actually told me what breathing meant or what technique was, that I could have gotten into a grad program right away. My current teacher often says to me she's surprised that my career isn't much farther along, but I don't know that I would have been ready for it any sooner. There was a whole lot of learning of myself these past few years, vocally, personally, all over. I'm finding out more about my process, even in this pandemic. Figuring out how to learn things far more effectively and accurately than I have ever had time for. Even while working full-time hours. Online audition season is coming up, and I'm not worried about it one bit. Maybe I should be, but I'm not. I don't accept it. I mean, there's no right way to get where you're going, is there? I think education and programs have their place, but you have to know you're the benefactor for all of that shit. That's how you should operate. Be kind, be courteous, be a good colleague, but demand what you need. It's your life. It's your career. And despite what we're told, scarcity is a fucking myth. 
people are constantly creating their own paths and developing new ways to do just about anything. So get real with what you want because it's not too much to ask. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. That's the literal universal law of attraction. And more importantly, Jesus said it, so it's true. (laughs) All of this starts inside of our own individual bodies. That's so freaking exciting. In fact, as I sit here and write this, I find myself getting lighter and lighter and happier and happier and teary-eyed and more teary-eyed because I know I'm special to myself and I'm special to God. My work is important to me and is important to my purpose for God. It's what I'll take with me to stages around the world. My voice matters supremely, figuratively, literally, all of that. Above all else, my creator, my life source, my way maker breathes that spirit into me every single day. Thank you for sharing your story, Chantal. The next few episodes on the podcast will be stories directly created and told by young artists all over the country. And we're not done listening. If you have a story and the courage to share it, please email us at info at mysocalledoperalife.com. The Sparkle Twins, Sharice and Sharicia, have just restocked their supply of mouth masks. In case you weren't aware already, Sharice and Sharicia are two sopranos that have made the perfect masks for any singer or music lover. Purchase one today at www.sopranotwins.com slash shop. Check out their Instagram account at the Sparkle Twins and be sure to tag them when you purchase yours. Please stay tuned for five quick tips on keeping students engaged in distance learning from Anna, one of the founders of the Opera Dolls. Behind the Curtain with the Opera Dolls. I'm Jenny. I'm Anna. And I'm Christina. And we're three New York City opera singers that created plush opera singing dolls in order to make opera tangible, relevant, and accessible to all, especially kids. We love opera. You love opera. But why don't our kids play some for them, people? We know these plots aren't always kid-friendly. Our little mezzo Carmen, quote-unquote, the traveler, and all the sopranos that die in the end. Whoops. But... Let's be real. This art form is super important and has inspired music and society throughout history. Check us out on theoperadolls.com or follow us at The Opera Dolls on Instagram. Hey everyone, it's Anna from The Opera Dolls coming to you with five helpful tips to keep your students engaged in distance learning. Tip number one is create a routine. Keep the same routines you had in person with your class or private students. If you did vocal warm-ups or you played scales or you had a hello song, Continue to recreate these online. Tip number two is engage face-to-face. I found that video lessons and Zoom classes were much more successful than audio alone, leaving assignments, or pre-recording videos. 
Tip number three is check in on them academically and emotionally. Our students are going through a lot right now, as we all are. Check in on them as part of your routine. I like to ask my students how they're doing at the beginning of class and make sure they know I'm here for their musical, academic, and social-emotional growth. Tip number four is do interactive assignments together. Have a few go-to activities or classroom responses that are interactive. We need to adapt the traditional lecture style of teaching to our new educational frontier. I like to have my students comment and engage with each other in the chat section of our Google Meets, or I tell them during a listening assignment to drop a smiley face in the chat if they've heard the song before. Tip number five, don't get bogged down with too much tech. Pick a few that work for you and be consistent. I can't stress this one enough. When schools first went online, you'd hear about a thousand new apps or websites to try a day, and it was quite frankly very overwhelming, especially for my colleagues that are less tech savvy. I recommend you pick one to three resources and use them consistently. I personally love Google Classroom, YouTube, and BandLab, which is free cloud-based music production software. Thanks for listening. I hope these tips can help you connect a bit more with your students virtually. And now back to our hosts. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. This podcast is inspired by all the opera singers out there getting shit done. So keep on keeping on, people. And don't forget to keep us posted on all your so-called opera life moments by using the hashtag MySoCalledOperaLife. See ya!